Hello and welcome to Impactability, the Nonprofit Leaders Podcast. This is a show that explores the landscape of the nonprofit organization, big and small, offers some incredibly helpful information and resources, and gives nonprofits a place to share ideas and get advice. I'm your host, Joe Turner. Our show is sponsored by Sukup Strategic Solutions, offering a wide variety of services to help nonprofits maximize their impact. So let's get into solving the problems that might be plaguing your nonprofit. The news is full of stories telling us that the job market looks really good right now. It's an employee's market and people are jumping from position to position. COVID-19, just a bump in the road. And now businesses and nonprofits alike are struggling to hire and retain good talent. It's a good news, bad news situation. See, the good news is for employers, there are people looking for better jobs and employees have lots to choose from. But the bad news is that finding the right employee and or employer can be kind of tricky, if not downright impossible. So to help us either find the right job or the right employee is Mike English. Mike is a nonprofit consultant who works on executive searches for the Moran Company. They partner with nonprofit organizations nationwide to recruit CEOs, executive directors, senior level fundraising staff, and other key leadership positions. Mike earned his undergraduate degree in philosophy from the University of Notre Dame, his master's degree in public policy studies from the University of Chicago, focusing on public finance. Mike has been working in the nonprofit field for 20 years, serving in a variety of positions, including CEO and executive director. He's been serving the Kansas City area since moving there in 2006. He truly has a passion for nonprofits. We are thrilled to have him on the program today. Mike, it's great to have you on Impactability. My pleasure to be here, Joe. Now, Mike, you've got to be a pretty busy guy because there are some serious jobs out there right now. From your vantage point in the nonprofit world, is it the same for nonprofit positions? It is the same. The, you know, the economy added uh, just last month in January about 467,000 jobs, which is way more than economists were, were predicting. And the unemployment rate is, is pretty low at 4%. So uh, I think across the board, uh, it's a tight job market. Our company does searches for nonprofit organizations, mainly looking for executive directors. And um, you know, we have more searches right now than ever before. And I'd say across the board, the number of applicants we're getting is is lower. And so more jobs, fewer applicants. Interesting. For the sake of our discussion, we're going to start from the employer's perspective and then shift to the employee side of things. First, as an employer, why can't I find anybody? Doesn't anybody want to work? Yeah, you know, I think in 2021, a lot of people, really a record number of, of workers quit their jobs. Um, now people are quitting their jobs for a variety of re- reasons, and some have, have, were having to take jobs that were more conducive to their living situation. You know, a lot of people were having to take care of kids at home or, or elderly relatives during the pandemic. So that's, that's part of it. So I don't think it's that people don't want to work, but people are having to make some personal decisions and and also professional decisions. You know, I think because of the pandemic, a lot of people are kind of uh, resetting some of their personal and professional priorities. And there are a lot of opportunities out there, too. So that's what this great resignation thing is all about. Why is it a thing? There are a lot of theories out there. I, I kind of think of this in two ways. First is kind of what I was just talking about. The pandemic has driven a lot of, of this um, because, you know, I think a lot of workers, especially in the healthcare industry and, and social services industries are, are really at their breaking point because of high workloads, a lot of stress. And so 
we've seen a lot of uh, resignations in, in those sectors. But the other the other theory I, I think makes a lot of sense to me is that there, you know, during 2020, there was just so much uncertainty about the world and, and what was going to happen. And so I think a lot of workers that would have naturally quit their job did not because of that uncertainty. And so once we got into 2021, there was a lot of this kind of pent up desire to move on for some people. And so maybe a lot of the people that would have quit their jobs in 2020 didn't do so until 2021. And so that may be part of the reason for, for this great resignation also. So as an employer, where do I find talent? Should I be using like Indeed and CareerBuilder or is there a better way? Yeah, it definitely should. I mean, we, in the recruiting business, we kind of think about passive and active candidates um, and recruit both. So the active candidates, those are the people that are going to be looking at those job postings on Indeed. And so certainly you should be posting on Indeed. And then in the nonprofit sector, I would really certainly post on your, your local nonprofit, maybe your nonprofit membership organization's job board. I think a lot of communities have some job boards really tailored for the nonprofit industry that a lot of nonprofit job seekers are looking to. And then the, the passive job candidates, those are people that, you know, they may not be actively perusing these job boards, but if contacted, they may be interested. And so a lot of what I do is try to talk to lots of people and, and get ideas for people who may be great candidates if contacted. And so if you're active on LinkedIn, can really search and find some some great people that may be interested if, if you contact them. Well, that leads me to my next question, Mike. Give us some strategies that nonprofits can use to find the right hire. Yeah, I think some of those tactics I just talked about, and then also getting your, in the nonprofit area, getting your board of directors and, and some of the other folks that work with you really committed to the search is really important because so much of this is word of mouth. And then more generally, I was thinking about just you know, I coach my son's fourth grade basketball team. And, and <laughs> this analogy came to me the other day as I was coaching practice. You know, if, at that age, a lot of the kids, what one of their tendencies is to keep their head down when they dribble and they sort of dribble, dribble, dribble until they get stuck. And then they desperately look around to pass to somebody. And so I always tell them to pass when you want to, not because you have to. And so it's like hiring too in, in the nonprofit sector. If you can get into a position where you are hiring um, when the opportunity presents itself or when the, when the right person presents as a, as a great candidate, you're in a better position than if you are hiring when you really have to. So if you're able to kind of get out in front of some of this and really create kind of a, an open communication line between you and your employees, that's really helpful because then you have plenty of lead time to know before a person's gonna move on. And so then you can really kind of be keeping your eyes open for the, the right person rather than getting a two weeks notice and having to sort of desperately try to find somebody. I want my Detroit Pistons to listen to what you just said. Pass because you want to, not because you have to. Right, it's not just fourth graders, I guess. <laughs> How does the job description fit into the equation? It's really important. And actually it's more of a communication device, I think, than than employers realize sometimes. When, when I'm working with clients, we spend a lot of time on the job description. I like to lead with a, a summary paragraph about the organization's mission and the position's role in that mission to really get people interested and excited about the possibility of working for that organization. 
I think too many job descriptions are just super boring and almost feel like a, um, you know, a bureaucratic or clinical approach to, to finding a candidate. Whereas what you really want to do is make sure that it, it seems like an interesting job. And then also, I'd say that when, you know, when you're listing those bullet points that describe the job's roles and responsibilities, it's really a great to kind of connect them to the mission. So in other words, you know, and maybe instead of writing something like ensure the organization meets program deliverables, you know, something's boring like that, make it sound, you know, more connected to the mission. So say something like manage the delivery programs that improve the lives of the people we serve. Because applicants in the nonprofit sector, you there, that's important to them. They want to know that not only are they working for an organization with a mission they're passionate about, but they want to know that their job uh, has a direct impact on that mission. So that's that's one tip. And then the other thing is I, I try to make sure that the qualifications that are listed on the um, job description are actually the qualifications that are important and that you want. So, you know, I think some of the tendency is just to sort of put in qualifications that maybe that sound good, but I really try to kind of press clients to think about those qualifications a lot. And, you know, don't just put in master's degree preferred if that's not going to make a difference in the job that they're doing. Um, really make sure that it's accurate. Great point. Are there any pitfalls that we should be avoiding? Yeah, right now there are a couple. I, I In a tight job market in particular, don't take too long. So I'm, I, I think that taking too long and, and maybe setting a, a timeline that's too long can be a pitfall. So I'm trying to talk to clients right now about recruiting fast, recruiting hard and fast, because, you know, in, in some of the searches I've done, we've lost some really good candidates just because they took another job during the process. So that's one tip. And then another one, I, you know, I think people go back and forth on this, but I think it's important to lead up front with the salary range. And the reason I say that is because it's too many times I've seen candidates kind of get strung along or string the um, organization along only to drop out at the end because the salary is too low. And so I think it's a good idea to list that up front. And then finally, you know, think of creative ways as an employer to offer a, a really um, strong compensation packages. You know, you know, nonprofits maybe cannot offer salaries commensurate with the private sector, but um, may have the flexibility to offer um you know, some sort of combination of paid time off, incentive bonuses, um, flexible work schedules, things that make the job more attractive to candidates. Tough question for you, Mike. I'm looking for someone who has a passion for my mission and that's going to stick around a while. How do I find someone like that? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. Um, I think that some of the tips I mentioned around the job description kind of help a little bit with that. But I think that in the nonprofit sector, one of the ways you can do this is really lean on your, your volunteers and your, and your board members. So those are people that have, that have shown a passion for your mission because they're volunteering their time. And so those people may be good candidates themselves, but also they may know of other good candidates as well. And then I think social media is a great way to do this. So you, as your organization puts together kind of your social media strategy and content calendar. Um, I, I think it's really important to make sure you're clearly communicating the impact made by your organization. 
and to really get some engagement with your followers. And then really think about those people. You know, those are people that have showed an interest in the mission of your organization um, because they're actively engaged with your, your social media. So, so those are some good ways to find um, people that are really passionate about your mission. And then at the same time, I would just be mindful of, of something I call compassion fatigue. And so, so I have seen some high turnover in mission focused organizations where, especially during the pandemic, when I don't wanna to say too much passion is a, is a bad thing, but it can lead to, to some burnout. So that's just another thing to keep in mind and maybe really making sure that you're providing people with legitimate paid time off in order to kind of reset is, is important to, to retention. What about volunteers? Can I perhaps find the next really good hire in my volunteers? Definitely. Yeah. And that's a, another area where kind of staying ahead of your hiring is good. So if you've got a great volunteer, maybe even kind of cultivate that person. And then when you have that opening, you kind of have that ready-made person ready to, to bring in and, and hire. Great conversation. Our guest today, Mike English, we're talking about the tight job market and how you can still attract and retain some great talent. Now, at the beginning of the podcast, we admitted that it's an employee's market right now. So we're going to take a short break and then come back and change the perspective. If you're looking for a job or you want to move up the ladder, we're going to have some great advice for you. This is Impactability, the Nonprofit Leaders Podcast. I am Joe Turner. We'll be right back. Sometimes there's just not enough hours in the day to get the work at your nonprofit done. Sukup Strategic Solutions can help. We handle all kinds of projects, especially the ones you can't seem to get to. Fundraising, marketing, grant writing, communications, and more. With Sukup Strategic Solutions, you'll have a team of nonprofit professionals working for you. You'll have more hands on deck, reduce overhead, and increase efficiency. For a free consultation on how we can help lighten the load at your nonprofit, visit SukupStrategicSolutions.com. Maximize your impact with Sukup Strategic Solutions. Welcome back to Impactability, the Nonprofit Leaders Podcast. I am your host, Joe Turner. We're talking with Mike English about the tight job market and how to cope if you're an employer looking, and for the employee, how you can use the current job market to move up the ladder, maybe. Stay with us because immediately following our discussion, we've got another edition of Coach's Corner coming up. Stay tuned. Now, Mike, let's talk about the other side of the coin, the employee looking for a new gig or maybe looking to move up. What are some newer trends that you're seeing that help people that are looking for positions at nonprofits? Yeah, it's, uh, the first thing I'll just say is I think it's been hard to network for people in the last couple of years. And so leaning into kind of your personal network that you already have is, is, is helpful. And then um, some of the newer trends that I, what's been interesting in in this more virtual and hybrid work environment is that it's in some ways possible to kind of contract out more easily. And so I've, I'm seeing a lot more contracting out from nonprofits. Um, and so from a job seekers perspective, if you currently have a position, you may be able to add another you know, part-time gig really at the same time. And that may be a, a good way to kind of get into that organization. And then the one thing that's always been true is just volunteering is, is a great way to get new positions at nonprofits. So, so those are some of the some of the things I've been seeing. Mm -hmm. And since you touched on it, I want to get into that a little bit more. The whole the whole gig route right now, because it's a thing. I mean, people are are we talked about the great resignation earlier and people are going home saying, well, I can do this real well. So why don't I just part myself out to this place, that place, this place? 
Is that a good fit or might that hurt a person's chances of securing a full-time job somewhere else? That's a good good question. I think it's a, it's a good move if the gig is something that you can leave without being too disruptive to the organization. So from the organization's point of view, if you're contracting out to somebody for, say, um, communications work, you may not want to have too long a contract because if this is a person that may leave and take a full-time job somewhere else, that could be disruptive. And then similarly, if you're the person that's kind of freelancing, you may want to establish kind of a month-to-month contract if you think you may at some point take a full-time job because what you don't want to do is, is all of a sudden pull the plug on an organization you're helping out with to take a full-time job. Are people doing that a lot more though, contracting themselves out and just kind of picking and choosing what they want to do and who they want to do it with? Yes. And and I think a lot of this has been happening, you know, especially that really that year, year and a half when kids were at home for school. And so a parent in a lot of households had to stay home and then continue to work and maybe it didn't work with their current job. And so a lot of these people have started to, you know, come up with part-time contracting gigs. So it, it's been happening quite a bit. And it's actually been interesting because I've seen a lot of people essentially taking several part-time jobs at the same time, which is, you know, that's kind of a way of building your own business, taking four or five different part-time jobs with different organizations and really piecing together your own kind of entrepreneurial endeavor. And if it works for you, it works for you. But my concern, and I don't know if this makes sense, but wouldn't you want someone that might be more mission-driven? Yeah, I would agree. From the employer's perspective, it's it's not their ideal situation. It's more out of necessity, I think, because the job market is so tight. But there there may be certain aspects of the organization's work where it may may make sense. I think the one I've seen that seems to be the um, cleanest situation is with social media contracting. So that's something that an outside firm can work pretty closely with the organization and sort of take that piece off their plate. Uh, Some fundraising as well, I think can be done pretty effectively, at least grant writing can through contracting out. But yeah, I agree agree with you. It it really is helpful to have people in-house working with you full-time because that kind of mission is so important. But for the smaller nonprofit, outsourcing could very well be the answer. Yes. Yep. Especially as you're building a nonprofit. And I've been at nonprofits before um, that we've sort of built from, from the beginning. And so as you're going from one employee to two to two to three and, and fundraising is somewhat uncertain, uh, that contracting out is a good way to kind of build your organization, you know, when you're in that stage where funding is a bit uncertain. Now, from the employee side of the house again, is it best to be mission-driven when looking for a job? In other words, something that, that really means something to you, is it good to maybe start there if you want to work in a nonprofit? Yeah, I, I think so. And I think if, you know, and obviously not to narrow your opportunities too much. It's it's somewhat good to think about your own passion in terms of more um, more general terms. So in other words, maybe you are passionate about promoting more equitable economic opportunity. Well, there are a lot of different entry points, a lot of different ways of pursuing that mission. And so you are opening yourself up to more opportunities, you know, maybe 
with an organization that works on educational issues and an organization that works on housing issues. So you're kind of keeping your um, your options more, I guess, more, more broad while still sticking to um, what you're very passionate about. But then if you, you know, if you do have a very focused, something that you're very focused on, there are just so many nonprofit organizations out there. Chances are there, there are multiple organizations that you may be able to find opportunities with. Now, I'm an employee. I've worked at a nonprofit for a few years and I want to move up. How can I make that happen? Yeah, that's, I, I think that if in your local community, there, there is probably univers- a university or maybe a nonprofit uh, leadership organization or association that provides professional development uh, or advanced certifications. I would look into those opportunities. You know, when I would, when I was a CEO with the nonprofits, I would conduct annual performance evaluations with people and, and always kind of make the focus on them and what their long-term goals were, and then try to identify some opportunities to get additional training, professional development or certification. Because what that does, I think, from the job seeker in the future, it gets something on your resume that shows you're a lot, a, kind of a lifelong learner, you're curious, and you are willing to take the additional time to get that additional training in order to build your own capacity. So I would just really try to figure out what it is you want to do and then figure out what sort of skills you need to acquire to get there. Now, Mike, we were talking before, I was, I was admitting to you off the air that my biggest drawback in my job-seeking years was always the resume. Now, your job is hiring people, and mainly executive directors and other senior-level positions, but all told, what are you looking for on a resume? What, what's, what stands out? What am I not putting on my resume that I'm not getting hired? Yeah, I think, well, one thing that, <laughs> that stands out now for sure is somebody with a longer tenure at different organizations. So it seems like, you know, this is not a recent trend, but it seems like the duration of stays at different jobs is so short that when you see somebody that's been at a company or an organization for more than really more than two years, it kind of stands out now. So that's, that's helpful. If you have that under resume, that's great. Um, But then I also, I like to see civic engagement, um, volunteer leadership positions. So if you're involved with politics locally, put that. If you're involved with the PTA, your kid's school, put that on the resume. It's really just from my perspective, great to see people that are civically engaged because what it means is that they're, um, you know, they're kind of go-getters, but also they probably have a lot of good contacts. Um, And then finally, I think it's just important to customize your resume and cover letter to the job you're applying for. That seems obvious, but most people don't do that. So when it's clear that somebody has created a resume really specifically for that job for which they're applying, that really stands out as very helpful and actually can really, you know, those key words can really shine through. And then the cover letter, I just, I think I would say only about 50% of cover letters I see are really customized for the job the person's applying for. So really taking the time to, if it's a job you want, take the time to craft your resume and job description to match what they're looking for. Okay, one final question, Mike, regarding the resume. I've heard so many different answers, so I'm going to get one more. And this one is going to be from a guy who kind of knows a thing or two. One page, two page, how long is my resume? That's a good, yeah, I, I would say I like them really one to three pages. I do think it's good to include as much 
work uh, experiences you have in the resume. And to do that, depending on how experienced you are, it may take three, four pages, and that's fine. I wouldn't try to jam it all into one page because then you're sort of uh, selling yourself short. At the same time, um, you know, and this is maybe more in the academic community, but including every a list of everything you've ever written that's you know 25 pages long is is maybe a bit much. So I'm one for brevity. I like to see something that's succinct and and clear and to the point. But I wouldn't say just try to you know jam it into one page. I think it's just fine to have it have it go one to three, but just keeping in mind that you're trying to really highlight and whether that's bolding or underlining, just making sure that what really stands out are those skills that are most aligned to the position you're applying for. And keep the fluff to the side. Yeah. <laughs> this has been a fantastic discussion today, Mike. Thank you so much for joining us today on Impactability and sharing with us your expertise. Thanks for inviting me. Time once again for another edition of Coach's Corner. This is where we take the questions that you send us and we ask the questions of our impact coaches. And they have great advice, great information for the questions that you might have. So as always, we keep telling you, send us your questions at impactcoaches at impactability.net. Today's guest impact coach is Cheryl Sukup. She's the president of Sukup Strategic Solutions. Cheryl got a really good question for you. This is coming to us from Estoria Aviles, one of the founders at mostnonprofit.com. And she writes, how can nonprofits be more intentional with a workforce development ladder within and beyond their organizations? She says, I have met far too many professionals who fall into a nonprofit career. And we were talking about careers earlier, so this is a great question. How can nonprofits be more intentional with a workforce development ladder within and beyond their organizations? I have met far too many professionals who fall into a nonprofit career. On Coach's Corner, Cheryl, you have five minutes to answer the question. Good luck on this one. Your five minutes begins right now. Thank you, Joe. So I'm going to start out by telling you my own story about how I fell into a nonprofit career. I started my career as a scientist, and I had my career all mapped out. I knew exactly what I was going to do, and God laughed at that plan. I soon gave birth to a daughter with complex medical needs, and I started volunteering to help other parents as I started to learn more and more, and volunteering really helped me cope. It made me feel like I wasn't alone to help other parents. That volunteering eventually turned into a part-time job at a nonprofit, that evolved into a full-time job at another nonprofit. Eventually, I decided to permanently switch career paths. The work I was doing at nonprofits was so rewarding. And really, just because of the work I had been doing and how it impacted my family to have my daughter, I just found that my priorities shifted and what was important to me was just a little different when I first than when I first started out my career. So um, I'm one of those people that just fell into the nonprofit career. But I knew that I had gone to school for a completely different discipline and I needed to fill in some knowledge gaps. So I started going to workshops and seminars and then I started going to conferences. I went to a lot of conferences so that I would be able to spend two days doing workshops and seminars all at once. And I learned a lot. Um, I then went to the local university and I got a card for community members and I took out 10 books on, on nonprofits at a time, things like nonprofit management, governing boards, grants, fundraising, you name it. And I just read all of these textbooks. 
Then I went back and returned them and took out 10 more and then 10 more. After reading all of them, I did gather a large body of knowledge. And in the meantime, I was working in nonprofits. And I think that as I was building my practical skills, um, I was also building my knowledge and I was able to put that knowledge to work in, in my job. So that was really helpful. In the meantime, going to those workshops and seminars gave me an opportunity to learn from experts. So it was that combination of things. Nonprofits today are challenged to find staff, as are all businesses in this tight labor market. So you have to be a little bit flexible. If you're faced with the opportunity to hire someone who has many of the character traits you're looking for, but they don't have nonprofit experience, look at their past work experience and identify skills that are transferable. If they do have them, then they may be a great fit for your organization, even if they don't have the nonprofit experience. I mean, I'm a living example. I have been working in nonprofits ever since, and I'm so happy that I chose this career path in the long run. So um, I'm going to give you a couple of examples of transferable skills. So in my case, a skill that is transferable or many skills that are transferable came from my learning the scientific method and practicing it, right? So in the scientific method, you form a hypothesis and you test it. So you must identify what you think will occur and then set up an experiment to test it. That's a very simplistic way to explain it, but it's much like an if-then statement. If I apply heat to ice, then I will get water. So you have to test that hypothesis by designing and performing an experiment. This transfers to program development really, really well. You think if I perform this activity with my target population, then it will result in such and such outcome. So you test that hypothesis by performing the activity with your program participants, making observations, collecting data on the results, data collection, analysis of data, statistics. These are all skills that transferred readily from science into nonprofit work. Also goal setting and developing business plans and long range strategic plans, those were really easy as well because I had that background in designing experiments and collecting data. I also worked a lot in databases as a scientist and I managed a large body of data. This transferred readily to donor data management, organizing your data, selecting what kind of data you wanna review, querying the system to produce reports, and then analyzing the results of those reports to make decisions on next steps. In other words, I would decide what I wanted to do next with donors as a result of what I've learned from the data. Spotting trends in the data, trends in the industry, these also directly transferred. So in my example, science and the skills that I learned from being a scientist helped me in my nonprofit career. You can find so many opportunities to transfer skills from many other fields than science. So it's not just science. There are so many other fields from which you can derive transferable skills that will work really well in the nonprofit field. So I encourage you to look at those candidates that aren't as experienced in the nonprofit realm as you like them to be and think about what do they have in their background that they could use to become a really great nonprofit professional for your organization. Now, next time, we'll talk about creating a workforce development ladder and how you can do that. It's, there's too much information to do that in five minutes, Joe, so we'll have to just come back next time.
You know, that sounds really good, Cheryl, because uh, I like the way you've kind of broke this up into two parts. And uh, we'll come back next week and we'll finish it off there. And thank you again for being on Coach's Corner. Thank you so much, Joe. And thank you so much, Astoria, for sending in your question. We really appreciate it. If you've got a question for Coach's Corner, we want to hear from you. Email them to us at impactcoaches at impactability.net. Again, that's impactcoaches at impactability.net. And if you want to reach me, my email address is joe.turner at impactability.net. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app, and that way you'll get new episodes downloaded just as soon as they come out. Also, please give us a review or a rating so that your peers in the nonprofit industry can find us as well. I'm Joe Turner. Thanks for listening, and thank you for all you do to make the world a better place through your nonprofit.